Episode 75. Robot. Do you, do you like robots? Uh, no, not particularly. I like androids, but mm -hmm. you already knew that. Oh, androids, robots, androids. Well, let me tell you right now, but... Um, this is about a robot, not an android. This is not the android story. No, I know. It doesn't have um, a nice butt, so I know. Well, the androids we see will have a nice butt, trust me. Um, but, <laughs> speaking of butts, <laughs> <laughs> robot. He's not only an episode about a robot and is only one word for the name of the episode, but it is also the first episode of the fourth Doctor. Technically. Gasp. I Gasp. say technically, and I'll explain why in between the break of the parts, but that's right. We have a new new Doctor, Gasp. Tom Baker, a, a man who acts and says lines and acts i'm gonna just clarify right now that i'm mad for multiple reasons and one of those reasons <laughs> we'll get to later but the first reason i just want to mention mm. and you've posted about it on mm -hmm. twitter already but i mm -hmm. went to join the discord call to see what we were watching right because i knew i know we're watching doctor who mm -hmm. but i never know what like screen if it's gonna be a black screen like for spoilers or what that uh gam starts on and i thought he was watching a vtuber and it made me so fucking angry to realize that no, it was not a VTuber. And it was in fact the starting soon screen for the Doctor Who Blu-ray DVD. So the Blu-rays of the Doctor Who collection, which is the Blu-ray upscaling release of each season of Doctor Who, which they're slowly getting around to doing of each collection, um, the main menu of it has a lovely... 3D rendering of that Doctor's TARDIS for that season, uh, the TARDIS console, uh, swirling around it with little atmospheric whirring, uh -huh. and down the bottom is where all the menu is, up top mm -hmm. is the title, and then in the bottom left-hand corner is the picture of the Doctor cut out uh, from the front cover of the Blu-rays. So and what you're basically saying when is that zoomed it kind out, of it looks like a kind of look like a VTuber. <laughs> With a VTuber, yeah. Yeah, it does kind of look like a VTuber. It's great. But we watched the episode. What happened in the first part, dear? Uh, well, we restart on the generation regeneration that Brig is like, call an actual doctor. He's being dumb. And then everyone's like, I don't know what's going on. And Benton is even like, what the fuck is going on? And then we see a robot rolling up towards a guard and getting shot while the robot breaks into the Ministry of Defense. And then into a safe to steal something that we only know is top secret because it has the giant words top secret on it. Sarah's worried about the doctor, but let's talk about this think tank thing I want to visit. And the Brigadier's like, okay. Cut to the doctor literally escaping the uh, hospital slash sick ward back to TARDIS and trying to find a key. He gets stopped by the PhD doctor and is like, listen, I'm fine. Look, he breaks a brick, runs in place, and is like, I'm fit, but also I'm ugly. And so let's jump rope together. <laughs> and then the brigadier and Sarah are like, where is the doctor? And she doesn't want him to leave. And he's trying to get in the TARDIS and leave. And he says, and they're like, the brigadier needs help for the top secret. And then... Having remembered Sarah and the Brigadier, he comes out and he's like, okay, I'll help. Meanwhile, the robot is attacking again. Better call the Brig before I die, says the guard, then he dies. Uh, yep. The, Who doesn't die? 
the doctor puts on some clothes, quote unquote, and the brig is like, please don't wear that or that or that or that. Okay, come on. And then off to the crime scene. So we can look at this dandelion he found that I know the exact weight of what stepped on it because it turned it to dust. Sarah is at the thing she wanted to go to, but the people there are shady as fuck and very obviously evil. So why would they need the parts for a, who would need a parts for a disintegration gun? What else would they need? Why would they take it? Mm. And then Sarah instantly walks into a room that she shouldn't go to. And it's very empty, but it was a robotic session and the professor left some stuff there and Sarah slips on something before they leave. And then they leave. Inside of the factory, there's a safe with a thing inside the thing uh, with every possible... I forget what it is. I think he said, like, a generator something. I don't know. A ge- yeah, a generator. Yeah, a focusing generator. Yeah, uh, in there. And we have to protect it because the robot is now digging its way into the safe. And then one of the unit dudes notices, shoots at it, gets killed. Um... Sarah is talking to the robot professor because something was off back at that uh, think tank and just various other questions. And then there's this weird rope in the other room and she's like, hmm. And so Sarah thinks about her visitor's pass again, drives back there, is like, I left my journal. And then the robot, (laughs) the hole is found and they also have found some cool robot footprints at this point. Sarah sneaks her ass back into the Institute, back into the robot area to look at that stuff on the ground. It was oil. But then suddenly there's a giant robot coming after her. That's the first part. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, there's a robot in this episode about robots. Yeah, maybe. Not sure yet. Mein God. Oh, oh, no. Um, Okay, so. I say technically this is the first episode of The Fourth Doctors because this was filmed back-to-back with Planet of the Spiders, which was the last episode, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the same production team here or there. Um, uh, Robert Holmes has taken over from Terence Dix and is the new script supervisor, uh, script editor. But uh, Terence Dix convinced... Uh, uh, <laughs> he, he saw him this new change as an opportunity to quickly secure a contract now that he's gone back to freelance writing, because remember their series that they wanted to do completely failed. So he's basically going back to freelance writing. And so he convinced his replacement, Robert Holmes, that the program had a tradition of departing script editors being commissioned by their successors. Uh, so that's why this episode is written by Terrence Dix. Cause he convinced Robert Holmes that there's a tradition of, Oh, well, the guy leaving uh, is always asked to, uh, you know, write a script, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why it feels very Terrence Dixie um, in places. Uh, You don't say. Some plot conveniences there. uh, Political messaging, definitely. Um, MacGuffins. A lot of references to... to, Well, yeah, a a few MacGuffins here and there. Um, But... That's why it is the way it is. It's also the last episode produced by Barry Letts, because after this, he's gone, uh, and we get our next man in, who is a very interesting man by the name of Philip Hinchcliffe, who, trust me, we're going to talk about extensively throughout the years. Um, 
But that's why this episode is kind of not really actually regarded as, like, the real first episode of, uh, the fourth Doctor's reign, or era, because it kind of is a bit still third Doctor-y. The only difference is it's just got the fourth Doctor in it. Um, but there are marked, marked differences, like the way the fourth Doctor is incredibly erratic, and like Dia noted while we were watching it, um, he is a lot more detached from the way he deals with things. Uh, he doesn't take things personally. He has a lot more of a confidence streak about him than the third Doctor did. The sort mm -hmm. of thing of, uh, the fourth Doctor will have a gun pointed at him and he'll act like, you know, that person has just invited him over for tea and so he'll walk over and act like it's his home. Uh, the fact that they've got a gun is in inconsequential to him. Uh, it... He uses his com overconfidence exuding as a way to disarm others, and it works quite well, and it's very entertaining when done well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what this episode is. It's about a robot. Um, and it's kind of a passing of the guard, but also not really. Um, also, new uh, person introduced is Harry Sullivan, who was technically name dropped in the last episode because when the doctor uh is uh, looking at the crystal in the last episode uh the brigadier says uh call up a, the, the medical professional and he says sullivan get over here uh, but then the doctor's like i'm fine he's like don't worry sullivan we don't need you until the next episode um and hangs up so harry sullivan is here now uh played by ian martyr and he ian martyr was actually considered for the role of mike yates but uh, his schedule didn't line up, so he couldn't be Mike Yates. Instead, he is uh, Harry Sullivan now. Hmm. So now that we have all of this, what happened in part two, dear? Uh, well, Sarah goes to run outside, but then that one evil lady is like, hi, it was a prank, bro. We knew you were being sneaky. And then the doctor thinks about where Sarah is for a second while they're talking to her about the robot. It's apparently a prototype to replace humans in dangerous situations while the two evil people kind of glance at each other. And then the robot is, of course, not dangerous at all, right? You're not fascist, are you? And so instead of letting her leave, she's the evil lady's like, kill her. And then the robot's prime directive is in conflict. So they're like, no, I can't do that. So look, it's not dangerous at all, right? So then Sarah talks about, like, wow, it had emotion. That was weird. And are you okay? And Evil's like, it's just a machine. Also, don't fucking tell anyone what you saw. And then as soon as Sarah leaves, uh, they talk about how it only just had the inhibitor fixed. And Sarah could have died. Then Sarah walks directly into the room with the doctor, explains everything about the robot instantly about everything she saw. Uh, on, the, on the side, we see some brain surgery on the robot and how it may have some feelings. And then they show the robot something and call this man an enemy to the human race to be killed. Uh, let's plant someone inside the facility as a role, says the crew. But instead, let's go talk to that robot professor. He gave over orders for the robot to be destroyed, so there's no way it's still there. It was like his son. He has my brain and stuff. He can't be violent, but those people will probably destroy his mind cut to that one guy who is the enemy of humanity and the robot breaking in and killing him and then cut back to them talking about him being murdered and the think tank people being in a cult sarah goes to bed quote unquote and the doctor just kind of lays on the table to go to sleep meanwhile the science man is being hashtag pranked and his robot comes to visit 
Sarah, of course, has shown up to the cult who tells Sarah that she shouldn't wear pants. And the doctor and the brigadier go to Think Tank to look at the robot, but it's apparently been dismantled. Sorry. Also, we burned and destroyed it. Don't mm-hmm. even think about looking for it. It's absolutely gone. While some people eavesdrop on them. Uh, someone from the Ministry of Health is here. Everyone needs a medical checkup. And hee hee, it's the unit's doctor. And then the professor calls <gasps> and asks the doctor for help with the robot. It's almost insane, he says. Oh no, too bad the think tank people are here to fuck up his shit. So the doctor leaves a note and drives over in Bessie. And Sarah and the newly promoted Benton, apparently. Uh, by the time the doctor shows up there, he's alone. And the robot wants to kill him. So that's that. Oh. The robot want to kill? Yeah. Robot go a, a, a bang a bang a boom Um, so Professor Kettlewell, uh, we, we made several jokes about the fact that his hair is erratic and it's very obvious that he's a scientist. Um, fun fact, the actor's hair just grows like that. Hmm. <laughs> um, his hair just naturally was like that if he grew it long enough, so he actually just suggested, hey, do you want me to just have my hair like this for the role? Because, like, it'll look natural, and, I mean, mad scientist. Like, crazy scientist man. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, I will say also, uh, during this episode, while writing it, Terrence Dix still had no idea what the fourth Doctor would be like, so he basically just uh, wrote the role of how the Doctor would act and everything based on Tom Baker himself, the way he acted. Mm. Um, which, I mean, was fitting, because that's what Tom Baker wanted, because uh, Tom Baker very much wanted to set himself apart from John Pertwee. Uh, he wanted to uh, be not just be a, another iteration of the same character, where it's like, you could be compared... He wanted to be a different iteration uh, he wanted to be very much separated from John Pertwee, to be his own sort of thing, make the role his, that sort of thing. Uh, which is why he chose to go about the role being more detached, being more confident and having more quips, more more witty remarks here and there, and more compassion and a stern sort of facade that he holds on to. Um, which a lot of people like, and it's why he is generally regarded by a lot of people as the best uh, doctor and it's why he's the most popular when it comes to viewing figures throughout the time all that and other factors as well um but this is uh this is this is robot this is the fourth doctor um in the scene where he is talking about his new regeneration and looking at his face in a mirror uh he admires his new nose and says it's a definite improvement which was a bit of a joke at the expense of John Pertwee, who was absolutely always obsessed with his own nose and mm-hmm. insisted on it being filmed from certain angles when he was the Doctor. Um, so that's why they were like, oh, it's an improvement, this nose, because, you know, it's not going to have a an ego about itself, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's um, Robot. A, a, the, the design of the robot itself is... Uh, it's not a terrible design, but it's probably the best they could do during the time, if that makes sense. Um, it, it did not, um, 
It's it's obvious that it's still a man in a suit, but it's not like a man in a like a jumpsuit or a morph suit with like bits added to him, like a certain other robot species. Cough, Cybermen. Um, he it's no. it's more a literal like clunky cylindrical part, sort of disjointedly connected. I really like it because it like clanks around as it's moving. And it's like that's that's fun. I like robots that clank around. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Part three, dear. Uh, Sarah drives up, sees that Bessie's here as well as sees everything happening. Rushes in. She's like, no, this is my friend. And the robot's now in pain and confused. Then all of Unit shoots at him while it just kind of walks away. And then they find a professor in the cabinet. Also, by the way, we made a metallic version of a virus. It'll remove all metallic waste from the planet. Ooh. And then it's not to be brought up till later. Also, the cult tries to get the professor to join them, and the Sarah's like, "Wait, if you're you, they were trying to get you to join. Would you join them tonight and smuggle me in?" And then the brig is upset that they have left, and the doctor wakes up from a nap, and the brigadier is like, "Yo." And then this one time we had nukes, and uh, to keep the peace, and everyone gave Britain their secrets in order to be <laughs> like, "Yo, bro, don't." And then apparently the cult is a front in order to try to nuke the entire planet. Also, don't trust Kettlewell or whatever the professor dude. That evil lady and man are the leaders. And literally, they thank Kettlewell for everything. And also, look at this robot. We're totally not fascists, I swear. Also, the doctor has tried to get into the cult. Knocks the guard out. Gets into the cult. Also, look, the robot is seeking and destroying for us again. And sees and finds Sarah and reveals her. Then the doctor comes up and has a whole shtick on stage before he's also captured. Something, something, eco-fascist. Time to kill the doctor and Sarah. <clears throat> Time to pretend to get fucking shot when the brigadier arrives. And then the PhD doctor calls the brig. Mentions there's a bunker. He gets fucking... I thought he got shot. Uh, he gets hit over the head, I guess. So off to the bunker yeah, he gets with... Hit in the head. Unit to surround them with mini guns, but we have a defense system on the bunkers. Then they call into the brig and go, "Don't try it, bitch." The robot is in the same room as the PhD doctor and Sarah now, and the bunker is grenaded, so they should be okay. All the defenses are good, and but the doctor's like, "Wait!" and sets off all the landmines. With them advancing, they decide to use the robot in the disintegration gun, and everyone runs away. So then they call in a toy tank to shoot at the robot, but it just gets disintegrated that poor toy tank that's that's it <gasps> timmy's tank i thought it was tommy it was tommy tommy's tank yeah timmy lost the tank to timmy mm-hmm. tommy tim tom tom tim tom tom oh wait no that's a oh god i just remembered a really fucking bad joke in new doctor who they have a character who's a small child in Victorian London who is called Thomas Thomas. And he is a... It's like, get it? Like Tom Tom, the GPS thing? Yeah. And he literally guides a character around by going, At the next intersection, turn right. Your destination will be five metres ahead, sir. It's fucking mm-hmm. awful and I hate it. Um. Anyway, Robot, good episode. Uh, after part three, few things we're going to talk about real quick. Uh, number one... Uh. What was I going to say? Oh, that's right. Uh, this book that I'm reading has some great editorial uh, opinions in it that I kind of agree with. Uh, episode three starts by reprising the entire two and a quarter cliffhanger scene from the end of the episode two. It's a fight between the Doctor and the robot, which is clunky, 
and only is bearable to watch the first time because uh, of the quirky things the Doctor does and happens to him. Other than that, it's just like, ugh. Um, but it is the longest straightforward reprise of the 1970s, and that the first type, the longest sort of version of this is the past episode, we're just playing it again at the beginning of the next episode. And nobody in recent years has been able to sit through it without reaching for the fast-forward button. You don't say. <laughs> That's what the fucking book says. Um, okay. Uh, secondly, let's talk quickly about where this comes from. Mm-hmm. So, immediately after World War II, a group of second-string American scientists formed a collective uh, of essentially a technocracy. Uh, advocating a streamlined logical uh, lifestyle based on pseudo-scientific, quote, rational principles. Uh, They all wear uh, identical grey suits, drove the same model of car, lived by the book, uh, that sort of, like, creativity and and all of these, you know, flares of life, like, uh, are not only unnecessary, but are impeding on actual progress. So we need to take all that out sort of thing uh, as the impending oil squeeze population explosion pollution crisis and energy crunch threat threatened everything it's funny how we look back on the 70s as quote carefree when it was anything but carefree with all of these things beginning to happen mm-hmm. um so this school of thought hadn't had a bit of a revival in the 70s uh it it was meddled with a little bit in the soviet union uh but uh, it was more so in Britain, where, you know, stiff upper lip sort of queen and country, that sort of thing, uh, was a little bit more rife. Um, people, many people wanted the world to listen to the scientists, not the generals and politicians at the time. Uh, so that formed the basis of, initially, the, the 1950s film The Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, mm-hmm. in which a character visits Earth with a message of peace, love, and, you know, all that sort of shit, backed up by a robot with a fucking gun. Um... The robot spends the, f- the film basically destroying the military, etc, etc. But you get all these sorts of stories coming along. Uh, and, and that sort of idea of uh, technocracy, of like, the smart elites know how to, like, if we could just listen to them and let them run society, society would be much more efficient and we would be able to solve all of these problems without the bureaucracy of greed and, and stupid people, essentially. Um, taking that to its natural endpoint, you get something like, uh, uh, one of the, the, the possible endpoints of that sort of line of thinking is, is essentially eco-fascism, where the baseline thinking is humanity is the virus. Uh, we need to get rid of humanity. Humanity is the problem. Uh, Earth is much better without us, that sort of thing. Um, which is why they're eco-fascists. You learned something. Uh, mm-hmm. which is basically what the SRS is built on. Um, uh... The SRS is is basically presented as a fascist science group who wants uh, the women folk to stay in the kitchen while its leader comes across as a bitter spinster. Yes, dear? You can't be sirs. (sighs) Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Anyway, the series has a complicated... Uh, relationship with feminism as we've sort of talked about previously uh at some points it is very much 
uh, pro-women's liberation, and in other points it's very clearly written by a man uh, who may agree with women's liberation but does not understand what that really means. For instance, you have Miss Winters, uh, who is the leader of this group and the villain of the story, one of the very few female villains in Doctor Who. But, um, uh, yeah, she's a part of this group that essentially wants women to stay in the kitchen and men to be leaders, but only scientific ones, and anyone who doesn't follow them has to die, essentially. Uh, she just needs the love of a man to, to sort her out sort of thing. Uh, here she uses her feminism as a means of scoring points off Sarah to get Sarah on her side, uh, and then she later exploits the Brigadier's inability to shoot a woman because he's a gentleman. A British gentleman would never shoot a woman. Mm. Uh, uh, where, which is why Sarah then goes, he won't, but I will. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but it's that sort of thing. You get That's where this episode kind of comes from. Uh, but the main inspirations for like the robot in general and the, all the elements around the robot were based around King Kong and iRobot, uh, which makes sense because you have Isaac Asimov's uh, iRobot with the, the robot constantly questioning emotions and, and prime directives of not harming <clears> humans <throat> and yet being programmed to kill those, kill, to kill humans and it going insane as a result. And, you know, King Kong with everything that happens in episode four. Hey, <laughs> speaking of episode four, what happens in episode <laughs> four, dear? Well, let's start the nuclear countdown for that war thing while we go check on our food stores. Sarah and PhD doctor getting out of the ropes. Brigadier launches an attack so the doctor could get around to cut off the lock to the door. Mm -hmm. The professor is starting to regret nuclear war, but is stopped when he tries to blow it up. But Sarah and the doctor dude are running in to help, which lets them get out. And the robot is like, what? All of you enemies to humans, which lets... Uh, them run inside the bunker and also the robot killed his own crater and goes crazy the missiles are gonna go off and the doctor stops the countdown at the last second oh it's like the second second uh, the robot is gone when they come back Sarah's also missing that's weird it's almost like the robot kidnapped her it also wants to destroy <gasps> all the rest of the human race they bring up the <gasps> <laughs> they bring up the metal virus again and it gives the doctor an idea and they go back to the professor's lab Robot restarts the computer countdown and is going to build more robots once the humans are dead. I, The doctor says the robot has an Oedipus complex and to call all the countries and turn on the fail-safes, which they do. Doctor makes the virus, but the brigadier uses the disintegration ray on the robot, which, much like Power Rangers, makes it grow five times its size that day. And then Sarah tries to run, but gets picked up by the robot, King Kong-style, Drops her off on a building. Robot stomps around, kills a dude, crushes a house. It's a thing. So the robot yeah. comes by, or the doctor comes by with a smoking bucket of gack that they drive towards with the robot, even though it gets chroma keyed out. Splashing the robot with it, <laughs> turns it red, shrinks it, and kills it into so hard that it disappears. Sarah also now has some PTSD, and the doctor's like, all right, I'm leaving, I guess. And then they talk about being human for a bit, and they're like, wait, why don't you just come hang out with me in space and just forget about it? And she's like, okay. And then the PhD doctor okay. shows up and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck is that? Goes into the TARDIS and he's like, wow. And then they whoosh away, and I'm fucking so <gasps> mad. <laughs> <laughs> why are you mad, dear? 
because I don't even remember what I had said. I made a joke about like, wow, is he going to be the new companion or something? Because he was like, I forget what he was fucking doing. But he was, like, being really He was active. helping the Doctor with uh, test tubes and stuff, I believe. Yeah, and I was just like, Or it was, was because of the whole James Bond thing. I don't know. I basically just made the comment of, like, wow, is he the new fucking companion or something? And then he's his new fucking companion. Yes. So, really, 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 really quick. <sighs> so, at the end, the Doctor offers Jera, uh, Sarah Jane, a um, jelly baby. Saying his uh, very quotable and memorable line, would you like Jelly Baby? Uh, fun fact, uh, Jelly Babies, for non-British readers, are a gelatine fruit-flavoured sweet in the shape of, well, babies. Uh, depending on whose account you believe, they were either invented in 1915 as a fundraising gimmick for the war effort, or in 1918 as a way of celebrating the war's end. Uh, the US FDA rules meant that any attempts by American fans to get hold of these were impeded as the red colouring was highly thought to, to be potentially carcinogenic. This was rescinded in 1986. Uh, Bassett's, the original manufacturers, uh, were keen to associate their products with a hit series, uh, but later got litigious over The Candyman, who is a, a villain in a very, very far-off future episode that I personally love. Uh, it is so campy and so 80s that I love it. Um, I've shown you a picture of the Candyman before, dear. Uh, but you've probably forgotten or marked it out of your mind because he is something you probably wouldn't want to remember. Uh -huh. That's for certain. Uh, but, yes, that is... That is Robot. Um, quick note. Uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Holmes. We have actually heard before because he has written other episodes so far, um, such as The Crotons, uh, The Space Pirates, which is a lost episode we haven't been able to watch, unfortunately. Uh, supposedly, that one is essentially a space opera, like kind of like a Star Wars, but like a Western in space. The Doctor is a minor character in it, actually. Uh, he wrote Spearhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, Carnival of Monsters, The Time Warrior... Uh, so he's got a lot under his belt. Um, he also create, essentially helped create the character of Liz Shaw, um, the master himself, uh, and he is very much the type of person who has written the first episode where a companion is introduced quite a lot. Um, but we'll talk a lot about him more as things go along, because he he stays on for a, for a teeny, teeny, teeny while. Um, Mm -hmm. Quite a bit, actually. Um, but get that name in your head. Uh, same with the director, Christopher Barry, uh, who we will talk quite a bit about because he and uh, Tom Baker have a bit of um, a bit of a, a history together. <laughs> but anyway, Robot, what did you think, dear? Like a four. A four for fourth doctor? No. Get it? No. Do you get it? I don't want to get fourth? it. I four? get it, but I don't want to get it. Four? four? Mm. Anyway, no, it's right, I just don't care about this episode, really. Like, there are parts of it that I'm like, okay, sure. But then other parts, I'm just like, shut up. 
It's okay, dear. Next episode, we are going somewhere we've never been before. Space. The arc in space, actually. The next episode. Arc I, in I, space. I hate that I had to sit there and be like, have we technically not been in space? We've been on planets. Uh, technically we've been both in space and in an arc that was in space because mm. there was an episode called the arc if you remember Shocking. with the the mono mono aliens with the they got with being killed by the flu mm-hmm. um but anyway the arc in space the season truly begins um anyway anything else you want to say dear nope dear doesn't want to say anything i want to say goodbye goodbye fuck you Dear, don't be so mean.